newsletter, December 2023. Blame it on the sun. The bloody horror of the Hamas attack on an Israeli music festival and the ongoing bloodbath that followed it in Gaza. Everyone with a heart or a soul is watching this nightmare unfold with disbelief. And of course, there's Ukraine and the seemingly endless, mindless brutality happening there. And then there's the July 23rd headline from U.S. News. Six months, 28 mass killings in the U.S. Every idiot who wants one seems to have an AR-15 and nobody is safe to go bowling anymore. And the kids are afraid to go to school, all because our great, 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 great grandparents had single shot muskets or something like that. What's going on? Why is everything so crazy? Astrologically, it's a tough, multidimensional question. Certainly, Pluto's last gasps in Capricorn have a lot to do with it. But then there are sunspots. Anything that happens in the sky and which has obvious, reliable, repeatable correlations with events on Earth has got to be called astrology. The 11-year sunspot cycle certainly qualifies in a big way. It's always baffled me why more astrologers don't pay attention to it. One reason, although to me it's not a very compelling one, is that unlike the orbits of planets, the sunspot cycle isn't totally predictable. The time that elapses between two successive maximum sunspot counts runs about 11 years, but you can't completely, completely count on it. Naturally, that makes it harder for astrologers to work with than, say, Pluto transits with their clockwork precision. Still, talk about obvious astrological power. In a nutshell, as we ramp up towards a solar maximum, everything on Earth tends to get wild. People are stirred up. Leaders arise, many of them insane. And as the sunspot sky cycle cools down again, so does life on Earth. And you guessed it already, I'm sure. We're heading towards a solar maximum right now and right on schedule. Not all the nuts are safely in the jar. I wrote about the sunspot cycle in my book, The Night Speaks, which was published back in 1993. Even though it's dated, I'm including an abridged version of that chapter here to give you a glimpse into the more technical way which we astrologers can understand the impact of these storms on the face of the sun. Much of the history I describe is old news now, but you'll see the patterns. In fact, you're seeing them again right now as the sun screams towards a solar maximum, likely peaking sometime in 2025 or perhaps a bit earlier. Again, it's really kind of unpredictable. Now, in 2016, I published a new edition of The Night Speaks with an updated section on the sunspot cycle. None of that is included here. So here we go. The Night Speaks, Chapter 2, The Sunspot Connection. 
Remember the frantic intensity of the late 1960s. New heroes and mythology sprang out of nowhere. Naive confidence ran rampant. Vietnam provided a crucifixion story and an evocative emotional rallying point. Bob Dylan, the Beatles, and a generation of singer-songwriters orchestrated the drama with rousing anthems and irresistible manifestos. The advent of the birth control pill spice the stew with a scent of sex, think what you will about the foolish excesses and runaway herd instinct of those years. They were exciting times. But did history excite us? Or did we excite history? Was humanity simply ready to stir up the zeitgeist? It's the proverbial question of the chicken and the egg. Meanwhile, 93 million miles away, Gargantuan nuclear storms swirled across the troubled face of the sun. Great solar prominences exploded in hundred thousand mile high cascades of fire. Blasts of charged particles and waves of magnetism roared away from the sun, engulfing the earth and the planets. The 11 year cycle of solar storms had reached its crescendo for our central star. The late 60s marked the season of fire fire, sunspot maximum. Whatever engines drove that wild chapter of history, they certainly had run out of gas by the 1970s, middle 70s. Remember the disco wasteland, Gerald Ford, the me generation? Remember the confusion and floundering of our national leadership in the aftermath of Watergate and the OPEC-engineered energy crisis? We might be annoyed by the naivete and the blind enthusiasm of the late 60s, but no one who lived through them would say that they were boring. And no matter how charitable a view we might take of the middle 1970s, by most standards, the energy crisis of those years was not limited to oil fields and gas pumps. Throughout the middle 1970s, the face of the sun was tranquil. Gone were the great magnetic storms of the late 60s. The season of calm, the sunspot minimum, had arrived. Is this astrology? Certainly not in a traditional sense. Sunspots have nothing to do with Leo or Sagittarius. Nonetheless, whenever we notice a correlation between cosmic events and human affairs, we've entered the astrological realm. Now, Alexander Leonidovich Chesevsky, a biologist, not an astrologer, was the first to notice the pattern an intensity of human events peaks during sunspot maximum and slacks off at the minimum. He was a Soviet researcher, brilliant but badly placed in history. Marxist theory prefers class struggles to solar storms as the drivers of history. Chesevsky learned that lesson the hard way, spending 20 years exiled in the gulag as punishment for his research. Now, sunspots occur cyclically in a variable period with an average length of 11.1 years. In this, they are unlike other astrological cycles, which normally can pre be predicted with near-perfect accuracy. Despite the sunspot cycle being somewhat elastic, Chesevsky stated his theories with great precision. He divided the solar cycle into four distinct phases, 
each associated with a particular set of human attitudes and motivations. He claimed that the rhythm of sunspots correlated with all the major mass movements, wars, migrations, religious revivals since the 5th century BC. In truth, he may have fudged some of that. Uh, it was uh, only in the 1800s, uh, maybe late 1700s, that people began to actually keep fairly careful records of the sunspots. But here's a, a brief overview of Chusevsky's outline. Four phases. Phase one, the solar minimum. Sunspot activity at its 11-year low. Humanity is in an easygoing mood, tolerant but lazy. People are occupied with personal concerns and little inclined to organize themselves into any kind of unified history-shaping force. Phase two, the solar increase. Solar energies begin to coalesce. Exciting new ideas and charismatic spokespeople appear, planting seeds that quickly germinate into mass movements. Alliances form. According to Chesevsky, at this point in the cycle, some fundamental problem arises and demands a radical solution. By the way, we're probably kind of late in phase two right now. Phase three, the solar maximum. Energies abound. Everyone is excited, eager to respond en masse to leadership or inspiration, for better or worse. An air of enthusiastic drunkenness suffuses the polity. Emigration increases. Wars begin. Tension is high. Finally, phase four, the solar decline. Exhausted and often disenchanted, humanity now loses steam. The seductive, easy answers of the previous several years break down. Unity and collective focus drop off. Disillusionment increases. Groups disband. People go back to tending their own gardens. And gradually, we descend again into the peaceful latitude, lassitude, I should say, of phase one, the sunspot minimum. Now, Chesevsky divided these four solar phases into periods of three, two, three, and three years, respectively. Due to the varying lengths of the cycle, it's best to take those numbers as ratios. Once two maxima were observed only seven years apart. Another time, 17 years elapsed between solar maxima. For unknown reasons, hardly any sunspots were absorbed, uh, observed between 1645 and 1715, years which incidentally were among the most peaceful in human history. So, was Chesevsky right or wrong? Well, happily, you can judge that for yourself. Unlike more abstruse astrological questions, the sunspot connection can be researched with equipment no more elaborate than an encyclopedia. If you're looking at the text version of this, check out this graph, or you, you may want to look at it anyway, even if you're just listening. It's on the website. It plots the annual mean sunspot number since 1900. You can find graphs that go back into the 70s and some speculative ones earlier than that. Just Google it on the internet. But with one glance at the graph, immediately the pronounced cyclical quality of the solar storms is evident. Equally evident is the great variability of the cycle. Some peaks are vastly stormier than others. Some lows are only relative, while others truly represent the year of the quiet sun. Furthermore, the pattern seems 
distorted by unknown and apparently random factors, leading to multiple peaks and out-of-season spikes. It's all fairly confusing. Now, looking at some history, and I'm reaching back a bit earlier than the graph I've included in the text version of this thing shows, the year 1775, way back, shows a rather deep minimum, followed by a meteoric two-year climb to one of the most fiery peaks in the history of solar observation. The American Revolution, of course, ignited during this period. New leaders arose. Their ideas fell on receptive ears. In this case, at least, the facts are strikingly consistent with Chizhevsky's theories. The next solar minimum occurred 1783, and in September of that year, in Paris, the Treaty of Peace with Britain was signed. Fighting had actually ended about two years earlier as we swung down towards the minimum in phase three. The late 1780s saw another solar peak, and once again, flames of unrest were fanned, the Bastille was stormed, and the French Revolution exploded, the subsequent ascending solar cycle culminating in a rather low peak marked the rise of Napoleon, who was declared Emperor of the French in 1805 after a series of military and political victories. 1830 saw another peak in sunspot activity and another revolution in France. Once again, masses of men and women took to the streets, and again a French king was deposed. The pattern was destined to be repeated a third time in the bloody French street rioting of 1848, which led to the establishment of the Second Republic. Again, revolutionary fervor coincided quite precisely with a solar maximum. The tensions which led to the U.S. Civil War mounted on an ascending solar cycle and finally exploded as that cycle reached its peak. The war actually broke out in April 1861 when Confederate forces attacked Fort Sumter and Charleston Bay. By 1866, the war was over and the face of the sun was quiet again. The 20th century opened on a descending cycle, which bottomed out in 1902. Now, as the right flyer bounced into the air at Kitty Hawk, we're entering phase two, the solar increase, and clearly a new idea swept through humanity, aviation. Uh, other new ideas were brewing simultaneously, like, like the French and the Americans before them. The Russian people were tiring of the excesses of the czarist regime, the ill-fated first Rev Russian revolution of 1905 coincided exactly with the solar maximum, as did the successful Bolshevik Revolution of 1917. True to form, World War I started in phase two of the sunspot cycle, peaked during the stormy sunspot maximum, and its final shots were fired during the descent toward minimum. As we enter living memory, at least for some of us, uh, Chizhevsky's patterns seem, if anything, to become more vivid. 1923 marked a solar minimum, as the fable Roaring Twenties got underway in earnest, the magnetic storms on the surface of the sun were also roaring towards a maximum which was centered around 1928. The frenzied stock market crash of 1929 occurred in the solar peak, but then solar activity plunged toward a minimum in 1933 as the world economy plunged into the Great Depression. The road toward the Second World War 
waxed and waned in close synchronization with the solar cycle. But the war itself raises some interesting questions. The sunspot minimum of the early 1920s found Adolf Hitler ignominiously defeated and locked in a jail. Under the quiet sun, the social atmosphere was not yet ripe for his inflammatory ideas. Just a few years later, around the solar maximum, we find Hitler living in a villa, a wealthy man. His infamous book, Mein Kampf, had sold 10 million copies, riding the ascending solar cycle. As Chisevsky put it, people were restive and receptive to new ideas. One might imagine that Hitler's perceived charisma would have waned as the solar storms moved towards the minimum of 1933. Actually, that was the year in which he seized power. Perhaps significantly, Hitler was immediately confronted by serious opposition from within his own party. He instituted the, instituted the blood purge of 1934, murdering hundreds of political opponents, while the army and the judiciary passively looked on. Passivity can be dangerous, needless to say, and during the solar minima, there is often an atmosphere of why bother? Why bother? Whatever. On schedule, Germany's annexation of Austria and the conquest of Czechoslovakia, the real military beginning of World War II, coincided with a solar maximum. That's not surprising based on what we've seen previously. More surprising is the fact that the second half of World War II was fought during a theoretically tranquil solar minimum. Obviously, a war is easier to start than to finish. While the violence of the last couple of years of World War II clearly contrasts with Chesevsky's formulas, one of the most vivid images in mind for capturing the flat spirit of the solar dive towards minimum is the picture of disheartened soldiers trudging through the mud and the snow in a war that would not end. Peace came in 1945, in the solar minimum, but it was followed two or three years later by the stormiest solar maximum since the American Revolution. In 1949, the Soviets detonated their first nuclear bomb, and the horror of the Cold War was in full swing. In the United States, Joseph McCarthy began his rabid witch hunt for communists, in quotes, and, and was not finally silenced until he was condemned by the U.S. Senate in late 1954 during the quieter, more balanced solar minimum of that year. The highest solar peak ever recorded occurred in 1957. Appropriately, in that year, humanity experienced the beginning of perhaps its greatest adventure with the launching of the Soviet Sputnik satellite and the onset of the space age. By early 1962, when the solar storms abated and our central star entered the relatively quiescent phase four, over 70 satellites and three human beings had been placed in orbit on a cultural level. We also find the birth of rock and roll coinciding with this period of solar ascendancy. In June of 55, Bill Haley and the Comets, Rock Around the Clock, hit number one. Within the next year, they were eclipsed by the rise of Elvis Presley and the decades-long musical phenomenon which he set into motion, remembering 1957, the highest solar peak ever recorded, the frenzied excitement of kids dancing to the devil 
soul's music, you know, so-called, wonderfully reflects the wild, fiery excitement of a solar peak. The year 1964 saw a quiet sun, but the climb started quickly as Beatlemania caught on. The years 68 through 1970 were characterized by a long plateau of peak solar turbulence. Woodstock, the sexual revolution, the counterculture, the escalation of the war in Southeast Asia, the accompanied frenzy of protest at home, the first manned lunar landing all unfolded during that extended maximum. Meanwhile, in China, Mao Zedong instituted the great witch hunt called the Cultural Revolution in May of 66. It continued in its most active form until the death of Lin Biao in 1971. As the sunspots faded, so did the passion. Chesevsky died in 64, but he would certainly not have been surprised by the colorful, impassioned events of, of those years in the later 60s. Another solar maximum occurred in 1979 through 81. What happened? Once again, masses of people were excited by new leaders and new ideas, all gathering momentum in the final years of the 70s. Ronald Reagan was elected president, riding the crest of a tidal wave of conservative reaction that roared across the country. Fundamentalist Christian fervor burst on the scene after a long period of decline. Pray TV became a household word. Parallel events unfolded in the Islamic world with the rise of Ayatollah Khomeini and the explosion of Muslim fundamentalism, not to mention the rise of terrorism. Our own times are, of course, the hardest to see clearly. The problem is compounded by the fact that the solar cycle is so erratic, but the pattern is holding. As I write these words in the very last month of the 1980s, the sun is roaring toward a maximum that may prove to be the fiercest one ever recorded. It wasn't, actually. Uh, appropriately, we find masses of people stirred into frantic, passionate motion under the charismatic influence of Mikhail Gorbachev. The Berlin Wall is being broken up for souvenirs. Marxist-Leninist governments are resigning every day in the spring of 1989, coinciding closely with a record-breaking solar flare. The Chinese government crush the protests in Tiananmen Square. And you, reader, placed further down the timeline than I am, undoubtedly understand the meaning of these events more precisely than I do. Still, even to me sitting in the midst of breaking news stories, it's clear that Chesevsky's model is vindicated yet again. Whatever is going on, the entire scenario should reach some sort of crescendo, for better or worse, in the early 1990s. Now, that's the end of my text from The Night Speaks. Uh, so contemplate what's happened since then. You can look at the graph and the, and the, the uh, text version of this story, and uh, you'll follow more recent years and track it yourself. And, of course, here we are all living it. So hold on to your hats. We're heading for another solar peak. Thank you. <laughs>